0: Four,
1: three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode on Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with a journalist and creator, Matthew Viard. How are you doing, man?
0: Good. Uh, by B-Y-A-R-D. So it's like fired or hired or something like that. B-O-I-R-D. <laughs> like fired, I guess.
1: Yeah. So uh, Matthew is a reporter for the Halifax Examiner. He covers local news in the Halifax area. And uh, before we get into that, let's start in the beginning. Let let's start uh, from this from the very very beginning. Like, Uh-oh. what? How was your childhood like? Did you grow up in Halifax or any <clears throat> other place?
0: Yeah. Uh. Well, so I grew up. Uh. I say in Halifax, Dartmouth, and Truro. And a- any. Uh, I guess pick a, pick a, one of those three, depending on the, the the time of the week or the weekend. So I guess I grew up mainly in Halifax. Um, my mom uh, her and my dad split when I was four. So he moved um, back to Tro, where where he's from. Um, this would be, he he moved to, or pardon me, he grew up uh, in a black neighborhood called uh, The Island. So it's like West Prince Street and uh, Brody Avenue. So it's one of like three black neighborhoods in, in Truro. Uh, so I'd go up to his house on like weekends and the whole summers and March break and stuff like that. Um on weekends sometimes I'd go over to to my aunt's house in Dartmouth. So people ask me where I'm from. I, I used usually say like Halifax, Dartmouth, and Truro. And then like later in life, I lived in Dartmouth um as well. And I guess I I don't really have any memory of it, but when I was first born, I, I actually lived in Dartmouth. So if you're familiar with the, the area, I guess it's like sort of all amalgamated all under one Halifax Dartmouth so yeah I grew up uh, in all those places and then in junior high I spent three years full-time uh in Truro so I don't know how how far you want me to go back when you want me to cut off it's uh yeah well we'll we'll
1: get we'll get into it well however you want to put it and I mean I I just want to say that uh, for those people that don't know Halifax Halifax when in I live in Moncton New Brunswick there's no black neighborhoods here. There's <laughs> there's not a... Uh, Nova Scotia has a rich uh, black history and they are black neighborhoods that have been those centers for maybe 100, 150 years. Yeah, um, well, When I lived I in know,
0: Halifax, I always lived in, in, in the white areas. I should just uh, cl- clarify that. I lived in the, in the white no, no,
1: areas. And that's why you know, we're, we're trying to clarify to the audience that, uh, that, that Halifax has a really that they are neighborhoods that are like predominantly black uh, compared mm. to a lot of places in the Maritimes and Turo and those places. So uh, com- having that said, uh, how was it like you grew up around black people because it's like compared to other places in Nova Scotia. And like you said, in, in a white neighborhood, how mm. was that contrast in your childhood?
0: Um, well, uh, it's interesting. I don't know. Cause when you're a kid, you don't really notice it all until uh, you know, you grow up and you look back in hindsight um you know i was fortunate i guess because um you know like my dad's neighborhood was like a, a predominantly black neighborhood so i mean i'd go to school with uh you know mostly white kids during the week uh, but then like i say whole summers or some weekends you know i'm surrounded by uh, you know 10 20 black kids you know my own age and then to be like you know some younger than me some older than me this is my, my dad's neighborhood so the contrast i mean i i, I don't know um Uh, again it's all it's all in hindsight um uh i'll say i'm fortunate for it because you know when we were say on on the island my dad's neighborhood we were all black we you know we were just sort of into the same sort of things that regular kids would be in you know nintendo bike riding playing baseball and stuff like that so um i'm thankful for like again it didn't really stand out to me a lot at the time like oh this is a black neighborhood like we knew we were black we'd you know make jokes and stuff like that uh some of them are inappropriate but uh you know we had a uh, i don't know good sense of just i guess being black without it st- without it standing out to us so if you were to remove that from my childhood i don't know um you know what what, what that would have been like it, it's hard to say so there was definitely a contrast uh i guess when i'd go back to school and you know certain jokes um you know there would be different humors or different cultural differences different um, you know, uh, things like that, I guess, would stand out at the time. Uh, when I went to Dartmouth, uh, you know, I'd be hanging out with my cousin who, you know, he's a bit older than me. And so I'd get into, you know, some of the, the rap music and just different um, things from Black popular culture that, uh, you know, kids my age, let alone white kids my age, <laughs> didn't know much about. So I'd go back to school um you know with, with some of the stuff and they're looking at me like what, what are you talking about like where are you <laughs> where are you getting some of the stuff <laughs> so uh so so i don't know I'm, I'm just thankful for all of it you know i, I kind of sometimes i just sort of stood out in terms of you know oh, you're coming with this black culture because you know you're you're a black kid but you look like like you're a white kid but you're not really one of us versus maybe i go around the black kid and it's like yeah you're, you're kind of light-skinned and throughout the rest of the week you know you're hanging around with the, all these white kids so i just sort of always uh, I don't know. Maybe stood out uh, in my various circles, but you know, I'm thankful for all of it. Helped me, uh, I guess, understand uh, the world a little better. But maybe I don't know.
1: Oh well, that's kind Does of interesting that you, that you said that you were like white passing to the black kids, but not black, but black right. not black enough, or not like not white enough for the white kids, but not black enough for the black kids. That's that's a, quite an interesting uh, take on that. Uh, I mean that that is something that it's a I don't know I, I know a lot of kids and I just saw the Colin Kaepernick documentary I would suggest people to watch it on on I'm Netflix sorry. that uh, that he's like a mixed kid and you know he kind of had to fit his way in and things like that and yeah. you know it's it's kind of interesting that you you gave him that take so I mean for us Halifax Nova Turo and Dharma, that's the city like that's the big city in in the Maritimes like it's Halifax is the biggest city that's where everybody mm. goes to do, to do stuff that's where all the like the culture is so give us a brief of what Halifax is like in your terms what what would you qualify
0: it as I mean Halifax I don't know Dartmouth like I was once described to me Dartmouth is like Dartmouth is like a big churro so uh, it's really a lot of these places around here to me having grown up in all of them they, they don't you know p- people look at it sort of as the big city but if you grew up here it's sort of like it's, it's just regular like h- how do I put it people say from from Truro um you know someone from Halifax will come around and they're looked at like you know it's a person from the big city but then in Halifax you know someone from Toronto will come around and sort of look at it the, the same way like oh someone from the big city so it's uh I don't know I just sort of think people should uh, you know take more pride in I shouldn't say take more pride, but, you know, take pride in where, you're, where you are from. I mean, Halifax, I'm so used to it, it doesn't really stand out to me as being, um, I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that, because like I said, I grew up in Halifax, Dartmouth, and Truro, so to me, it just sort of blends in as one. Um, it used to seem like such a long drive, you know, like an hour drive away from between Halifax and Truro. It used to seem like such a long drive versus when you're an adult, it's just like, oh, it's you know, it's, it's a it's an hour's drive, but, you know, Nova Scotia sort of is has more similarities amongst the different towns than it does, uh, you know, differences. Like, there are differences, but to me, I, I just sort of uh, don't recognize them or,
1: uh, you know, yeah, and it, and it's look normal. at them like, you know,
0: they're that big of a thing that we need to stop and, you know, separate ourselves about, I guess, I don't know.
1: That is quite normal because, I mean, in Moncton, when people come from PEI, they say, like, oh, this is the big city. Moncton is the big place, right? And when you come to Moncton, it's like, this is a small place. We go to Halifax. It's like, oh, this is the big place. But when you say when somebody from Toronto comes to Halifax, we're like, oh, he's from the big
0: city. Uh, I mean, for me. and want to disrespect your friends to try to, you know, impress this person's from other towns. Like, you know, they're not even impressed by that. They see that and think, okay, well. Why does everyone here have this sort of inferiority complex, where everyone's trying to impress me, and then people try to, you know, sort of uh, come in from out of town and take advantage of those sorts of things? I know maybe I'm talking in riddles and generalities and stuff like that, but that's uh, what what I've found maybe over the years. So.
1: Well, you're not wrong. That that does happen when people, especially from people that are that that have a perception of something else. Right. Uh, like, for example, for me, the perception of Halifax is it's a beautiful city. I mean, it, it's a very be- it's an underrated city for me. Uh, compare when you when you look at what people think of Canada, think of Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, sometimes Calgary or Edmonton. But that doesn't really get in the mix. But when it mm-hmm. comes to cities itself, uh, I mean. Felfast I remember watching really that show. Good- what
0: was it? Uh, not Regis and Kathleen. What is it now? Um, Kelly and uh, whoever. They were they were hosting from um um Niagara Falls or something like that. Ba- basically they made the statement or someone on the show made the statement like uh basically the, their geographic understanding of Canada was like the east coast was Ontario and that's where it stops. So it's like yeah, folks from a way we'll always, you know, not even realize, I guess, that Atlantic Canada exists.
1: Yep, that's exactly like American people. It's kind of like they they think about Canada as like, oh, Toronto. Like I, I have cousins in the U.S. and they're like, oh, I'm going to Toronto, man. Can we meet? I'm like, uh dude, I'm like a yep. 14, <laughs> 17 hour drive.
0: <laughs> if you want to <laughs> fly me out, we can meet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or like a fly. It's like, oh, I didn't know you lived that far. I'm like, yes, this is a whole country. It's bigger. It's a bigger <laughs> country than the U.S. Uh, but but it's it, like I said, I think Halifax is a very underrated city. Uh, I think it's a beautiful city. I think one, is, one of the most beautiful cities that we have in Canada compared. I mean, it's not a Toronto for sure, but it's not a Winnipeg. Like if you've ever been to Winnipeg, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like it's it's not that cool. Like it doesn't look
0: as Halifax. Furthest I've been, I think, been uh, Toronto and London, whichever one is furthest. In Toronto, London, Ottawa. That That's as, furthest, as far as I've
1: been. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you ever go to like Winnipeg or I don't know Windsor, which is right next to Detroit, like mm-hmm. it's it like Califax is a, it's 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 a nice gut get city. So so you grew up there. You get into mixed, life. like going a little bit further, like when you said that you had different like different culture from a white neighborhood to a black neighborhood, like that you you got in kids and you got into the black culture. And the white kids didn't know about it. Like, and, and this is kind of, this is, was in the 90s or in the early 2000s? What what year was this? Uh,
0: this, this would be in the 90s. Um, yeah, so there was the it was the Black aspect of it, like, of it being like a Black culture, but then also the fact that some of it was coming from like, uh, you know, my older cousins. So again, even kids my age wouldn't be into, you know, wouldn't know anything about uh, DOS effects or... Uh, uh, I don't know the, the rap group Onyx and stuff, like and that I was necessarily into that stuff, uh, you know, that, that to me at the time sounded like noise. It's like, can we put on Crisscross Cross or Salt and Pepper, or Snoop Doggy Dog, something that's easy to follow along to in terms of the lyrics? But even like, I remember when uh Snoop's first album came out, you know, I was probably the only uh, you know, person in the third grade in Le Corbeau in uh, in Halifax that was up on Snoop Doggy Dog.
1: That, that was. My jam. I mean, it ain't no fun. I still listen to that. It it was my jam for
0: about a a few weeks until my mother put the CD on one day when I was at school and I came home and (laughs) I had to wait a few years before I myself could purchase it back.
1: (laughs) I mean, I could certainly say that now that I'm a grown man and I was listening to that, I was like, what in the world? Like like when people think it's like, I'm... I'm sad. To, I'm I'm a kid that grew up on hip hop, uh, and it's sad to say that as much as I love hip hop, it is a misogynistic, <laughs> homophobic. The
0: gift and the curse. Yeah.
1: Yes, like it's a misogynistic, sometimes even homophobic culture. Uh, I don't like, and and when you listen to like the early Snoop Dogs and the even as far as Eminem, which is a white rapper, like it it's it's just a misogyn, like the word bitch, you can hear it probably. 30, 40 times in just one song. And it's like, right. oh, wait a minute. Like, this is...
0: <laughs> yeah, with well, hip-hop, it depends on uh, what hip-hop uh, the white people are pushing, you know. So, there's a lot of stuff out there that could easily, <clears throat> you know, uh, save the world if it was, the, you know, the main hip-hop that was pushed, rather than, the, you know, the the invisible, uh, you know, people who, who, <laughs> who decide which hip-hop gets, uh, I guess, pushed the most, says, okay, we're going to push that to the bottom. Bitches and Hoes. I'll sign them let's put them uh you know set them up for super bowl performances in the uh, in decades
1: time. yeah and, and i think you're you right because i remember when you were talking about like that's effects there was a lot of consciousness for tribe called quest there was yeah. de la soul there was a lot of very positive influence even for things that they were like like super simple like heavy d and the boys like they those were those were really
0: Further back then i can uh co-sign but yeah
1: yeah, th- those were really positive, like, non-cursing, and they were stuff. And then uh, there was the gangster rap and the other stuff, but they 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 could coexisted for so long. And then right. I think when it became mainstream, I think, what, I think it's what you're saying, like, the record labels decided, let's put this and let's take that and let's take this and mm-hmm. let's take that because it was about, like, well, how much money can we get?
0: Let's push the, under- the hip-hop that we understand to be, uh, you know, hip-hop, uh, you know, the stuff that stands out to us as uh, you know, corporate executives or whatever. I mean, no, I, I'm no, assuming no. I don't know what goes on behind like closed doors. I can just tell by by what I see.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I can tell you. I, I've been in the record business what uh, for a while, and you can tell it's it's a business. It's what what can push the dollars. Like if if for example, I remember one time um, I was uh, meeting somebody that used to work for M- EMI, and they. Said, like they had this axe that they came from Puerto Rico and they used to rap. And and you know, they at, at that time Fat Joe was the big thing, and they wanted to push like kind of Puerto Rican kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. but there was a guy that sang r and he was saying, he's like, Oh no, he's too Latino, we can't push that. We gotta push something more uh, R and B and sexy. And I was like, Whoa, like what well, he can say, he's like, Yeah, 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 but we can't we can't push that thing. And then mm. there was like some rappers that's like, oh, it's too, it's too kid friendly. We can't push that. We have to be more edgy. And it was mm. like, and all of the decisions were this, this is weren't like young, this was young kids of color that were doing this. But the people that taken the decision were old white men. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, and,
0: of course. And it was
1: and it was crazy. But so I, I do I do tend to to say to agree on that, which is and it's still like that in some in some instances. Not if, not it, not as much, but it's still still like that. If it was up
0: to me, Common and Dead Prez would be on the billboards alongside uh, 50 Cent and whoever else. 50 Cent, who's a, one of the you know um, most underrated rappers, I think. But uh, you know, there's there's uh, you know the gift and the curse comes along with him as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that with with, with all of that. So when did you like you grew up as a kid and then you. You know, you grew up your life in those a... When did you got interested in in being like reporting and journalism? When did that strike?
0: Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, I was just more interested, even not so much in whether or not I was doing the the reporting stuff like that. Just making sure that the right story uh, gets told, or that the right story that got told, uh, you know, was actually heard. Um, I can remember watching the news as early or as young as you know, um, elementary school. Um, you may be old enough to remember, I'm not, or maybe you lived overseas at the time. But um, if you didn't have cable, uh, quote unquote cable, you'd have, uh, I guess, three channels that you could get by, you know, just uh, moving the antennas and stuff like that. So we had three channels. We'd come home after school and watch um, uh, Golden Girls at 5:30 on CBC, and then uh, First Edition, CBC's uh, the, the supper time news, or whatever. So I remember. We're, the the war in kuwait breaking out and i remember there being you know one day coming home and there was images of all these little ducks that had uh, you know oil all over them and they were saying that saddam hussein did it and i just remember like oh what the? you know watching this on the news and asking my mother about it and stuff like that so um you know when, when did i want to become a journalist i mean <laughs> it, it, it's hard to say again i just sort of always wanted to make sure that if the you know the there was a story out there that, you know, was told, but wasn't being heard, you know, maybe getting more ears or eyes, eyes and ears on it. I know I'm sort of talking to riddles a little bit. Uh, you know, I'd always, people talk in generalities about how, you know, um, the media's bias and things like that. But then you ask for examples, you know, there's, you know, you, you hear crickets, um, but, but the, fa- the fact is that there is, you know, a lot of media bias. And so I would notice it, I guess in real time, not necessarily store it in 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 my mind, but um, you know, notice it. Um, So uh, one thing, I know this sort of sounds all over the place, but one one thing that stands out was this article that I read uh, by uh, Sherry Borden Colley. She's a journalist in uh, in Halifax, um, and she's black. So she wrote a, an article that uh, talked about just the the overrepresentation of uh, Black people and Native people and uh, you know, different people of color in, in Canada's uh, incarceration system, and uh, you know, and they broke it down in terms of numbers. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Like you know, every everybody Black needs to see this. Everyone you know needs to read this right now. You know, if everyone would just read this, you know, we could uh, you know get to maybe solving the problem. I'm thinking right, but uh, at the time. So she was working for the Chronicle Herald at the time. So I read it on the website. The way the website was set up at the time was that after a week, all the articles basically just ceased to exist um, on the website and you wouldn't see them anymore. So this is in the infancy of sort of like, you know, social media and stuff like that. So I um, so I made a Facebook page where I could basically just copy and paste uh, the text from the article so it would live there forever. That way, if it, you know, folks would come across it, you know, uh, more than a week later and stuff like that. Uh, and so that's how I started the uh, black uh, NS news.ca it started as a Facebook page. So, so that stands out, I guess, as one instance. Uh, and so I just always had different evolving ideas to how to grow that, you know, was I going to maybe make it into a physical paper one day? Then the idea came to, to make it a website, which I made it a website uh, at one point um, and got um, you know, familiar with it that way. Uh, I'm going to I'm about to relaunch the website. I'm not sure when you're going to air this, but um, yeah, so it's not any, it wasn't any one instance. Um
1: it was many, know. many things at the same time. Was there any other thing I mean, that many you Many things, and, I, and I'm
0: probably leaving things out. I'll probably, uh, you know, by the time we get off the line, I'll be like, oh, okay can we get back on zoom? I want to edit this part in. Cause I forgot that. But, <laughs> yeah, many things, many
1: things. right? So, but was there any other thing that you wanted to pursue when you were a child? Like, did you want to be like a fireman or a cop or like a jerk or like a engineer or anything? Was there any other careers that you wanted to pursue?
0: Mainly a pro wrestler or a, or a rap artist.
1: <laughs> wow. Pro wrestler. For the most
0: part. Um, yeah, those are probably so- main <laughs> as a, as a kid. Um, yeah, but again, with this, it's just sort of because um, I'd go on this this uh, Facebook page, you know, almost like uh, it became, I don't want to say an obsession, but it, it felt like a, like, like a duty, like a job that I was sort of, sort of, you know, making sure, okay, well, what was out there? You know, what's been out there that, um, you know, pertains to black people that would be of interest in black, to black people, um, even if the story was bullshit, even if the reporter got it wrong, let me repost it here so that folks, you know, can not miss it so
1: so i will say um i am a pro wrestling nerd still so uh, i'm I'm still i'm still with that never this came is gonna to be a two-part episode then just... <laughs> never been a, never been in a part that i, I want to part, but i've always been a pro wrestling nerd so that, that's <laughs> kind of interesting so okay so you god you just said that you read an article about black incarceration from a black journalist uh mm. one of the things that i I, it, it's always been in my mind since I've been in Canada since 2010 uh, has been that when I turned on the TV, when I checked the news, I never saw any Black person doing anything regarding journalism. Uh, it wasn't until I, I started researching that I had saw like, oh, if you want to see Black journalists, they're probably in places like Halifax. That's where the first, that's, that's where people told me like, oh, that's where people are. And I think there is some people that have done uh through the years or to the history black media in nova scotia uh how do you see the representation in atlantic canada especially in nova scotia where supposedly this is where the rich culture is it's like this is where the the people of color quote unquote have more voice in in atlantic canada
0: Mm -hmm. so what was the question how do i see um
1: yeah. How How do I see the how do you see the landscape when you ever like you you saw a black you read a black journalist. So that, right. that's something like how how and cool it was you completely
0: captivated landscape? by by this piece that she wrote. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I was fortunate um, in, in that sense. I mean, you know, I I think, there, you know, probably should be more black journalists. I think, you know, when we're talking about anything, whether it's uh, journalism, uh, you know, uh, police officers, uh, lawyers, uh, politicians, I always say, you know, we need more Black people in these professions, but we shouldn't just, uh, you know, have this one-size-fits-all rule that, okay, well, if there's more Black people in there, then that's going to solve the problem. I mean, you can, uh, these institutions are, you know, white institutions. Just putting someone Black in there might not necessarily, they may not necessarily uh, have the same, you know, Black experience as yourself or think that uh, their Blackness even matters. You know, they could be somebody who wants to, you know, go along with, how things have always, you know, gone. And then people who are, you know, hesitant to, you know, change those professions, you know, people at the top might say, okay, well, here's your black person. Uh, you know, we have this many black people, uh, you know, problem solved. So, you know, I'd rather there be a, you know, a white journalist get the story right. than a black journalist get the story wrong uh, sort of thing. Now in the case of Sherry Borden Collie, obviously that, what that wasn't the case, thank God. Um, you know, she's somebody who's, uh, you know, put in uh, a lot of work uh, around here to, you know, make sure sto- certain stories do get told and or do get told uh, the right way. I guess um, she's um, it, it, she's rare in that regard, I guess, is what uh, what I'll say from what I can tell. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to um, uh, Brian Daly. He used to be a producer with CBC and he was uh just naming he was doing an account in his head of like the amount of like black journalists around here and so in, in terms of the numbers you know he can tell you that you know there's not many um you know if I'm oh, watching wow. if, if I'm watching a television news report for the most part like i mean you, you ask me well you know when i was a kid growing up how i perceived it i think i think he did uh, as a kid growing up i didn't really sort of perceive it anyways cuz i mean if you're watching a television news report for the most part you don't see the journalist uh, who it is and then maybe if you do see them for 2 seconds at the end of the story it's not really uh, something that I, I guess paid a whole lot of mind to, but if you stop to look at it, yeah, it is uh, you know m- mostly white uh, journalists uh, around here who uh, you know a lot of them tried to get the story right. Um, sometimes just being though connected to the black community, you'll you'll have a, a different um, view of a story, or maybe you'll have access to people who you think oh well th- these people would make uh, you know uh, good interview subjects or something like that. Someone who maybe isn't uh, plugged into the black community might not either think of or uh, know of to think of, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. So, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that, that, that there's still not, there's not a lot of, of black journals, especially when you have a place that you have a lot of black stories to tell. Like, right. and that's kind of, it's, it's a bit weird to me that like every time you turn out like places like the CBC uh, or CTV, you only see, uh the black neighborhoods like if there was some type of killing in nova scotia some type of uh, violence and it 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 takes a little bit of digging into and mostly like to find out other stories that are not that uh is is that the case when you say like because that's why i think sometimes it's the problem the problem is i think sometimes it's like because it's not told by people of color the, the story gets to be told different
0: Right. Sorry, my, my phone just distracted me here. Um, so what was the question, sir?
1: No, no. I was saying, like, that's funny that you said that there's not enough uh, Black journalists in no in Halifax or Nova Scotia, because every time I see Black news on Nova Scotia, to some extent, there was places like CBC or CTV. They were
0: showing a negative in, spin, you're
1: saying. In a bi- not only negative, but a kind of like violence objective. Uh, it took a while to see, like, like you can find good stories, but it takes a little bit of digging. It's not like something like it just pops out. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, if that is because of there's, that's the problem that the story is not being told by people of color. So therefore we can't find those types of stories that like the good, the bad and the ugly of it.
0: Oh yeah. Cause I mean, like I did a, like I recently did an internship with global news and um, it, it was a virtual internship. So it was a little different than a regular internship. But just one little thing that happened one time—they'd um, uh, inserted these plaques um, into into Africville Park, um, and so in the in the news meeting in the morning, um, you know, I just let them know, hey, they they um, inserted these uh, interpretive plaques in Africville Park, and uh, no one had had heard of that, and I just so happened to have heard of that by just different people I'm plugged into on Facebook, and so they're like, yeah, if you want to uh, you know do a little piece on that, you can, <clears throat> and uh, and it made the news. So now was this groundbreaking news in any in any way no but um but yeah if you, if you have if you don't have any women on the staff um you know there's certain stories that you're not gonna you're not gonna get probably uh, you know or, or different different perspectives that maybe you won't look at it from or the same if uh, you know you don't have someone say from the lg uh, tbq community or something like that so uh i, I don't know the, the white journalists will find stories that uh you know, make it to air that uh, myself as a black person, oh, I I didn't know that until I saw it on the news. But then sometimes, you know, some of the stories can be can be bland. Uh, I I don't know that it's, again, just as simple as, okay, well, this person is black, so they're going to have, you know, all all the black perspective or something like that. And and I I don't think I think it's dangerous when we sort of expect that uh, of black journalists. So if you have somebody, say, black coming into journalism or into a newsroom, you put that expectation on them. That can be an even uh, you know uh, uh an additional burden on them that they didn't that they didn't ask for but um i i, I don't know I, I forget what the question was i go off on a lot of, on a lot of tangents
1: yeah. no, 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 i mean i think what i what i see myself is is that sometimes uh, in go ahead
0: sorry no i, I just another uh, thing i was going to say you know I, I think it also just sort of stands out in our minds when um you know, you see coverage of, uh, say something violent in a black neighborhood, um, you know, we'll say that that's the only time they, they cover something in a black neighborhood or something like that. But it's like, well, when, when are you going into any, you know, quote unquote neighborhood in the first place to cover anything? I mean, you cover stories. So if uh, something negative happens in, uh, you know, say a shooting in the black community, um, you know, that has to get covered the same way a shooting in a, in a white neighborhood has to get covered. The problem is, you know, we know how, uh, you know, racist people react, um, to a story when there's a, you know, something negative of a Black aspect. And so we sort of, I, I, I don't know, it's sort of like we have these mental shackles to where we're, we're so wrapped up in what the, the the racist reaction is going to be that those stories sort of stand out more in our minds. And, you know, when, say, there is a shooting and we know to tune into the news to see how they're going to cover it, uh, to see, you know, what uh, aspects of the story that, uh, you know, we don't know about, want to learn about. When we know to tune in, uh, we'll see the, you know, the negative stuff like that but if we're watching on a daily basis just the the regular boring news um you know is that i, I guess i would pose the question is that the only time that the, you know they show up in the black neighborhood i mean i guess it depends on on what story is uh i think i was talking to you or, or someone recently about um gainer watson creed who she either is or was the the former number two to, to robert strang uh, that's the chief medical health officer in our in our province uh, who nobody knew about until the deadly global pandemic but uh when there was a SARS outbreak I remember I was saying she was on the news for something and I didn't really I wasn't paying attention I said oh there's someone black on the news let me turn up what, what's the black story here what's the uh, you know the the black angle of this story oh it's just an immunization uh, clinic at some school that this woman's running and she just so happens to be black so I mean there's there's different factors uh that they're yeah. playing I don't know
1: that was me. I mean, it's it's the fact that, and, and I think what you mean that is the fact that Black people are so mis, not misrepresented, but they're just put in a box. Like, for example, <clears throat> right now, uh, if you go to anything, like if it's somebody Black, they see they're talking about racism, especially in Canada, like it's talking about racism, objection or politics or things like that. But sometimes we, they find that, wait a minute there's black people that can do anything, cops, firefighters, m- doctors, like they can be, but we get some stuck in the right. box, especially personally.
0: And so I think, you know, the, uh, not that there are a lot, or, or if any, uh, you know, the black news reporter who say out on the street covering, uh, I don't know, the, the opening of a new library or opening or covering a story about politics, where they're just looking to get their random streeters from someone, you know, they might think to themselves, okay, well, let me make a point, uh, you know, to get some black people Uh, opinion about this non-racial issue um you know because they have opinions just like everyone else whereas a white reporter maybe they may be you know a little trepidatious to go up to a black person or might not even think uh well let me specifically seek out a black person to include in this in this report that doesn't have anything to do with race um yeah
1: and i and i agree on that sense i think in, in that sense i don't and i don't see that and hopefully we get to a point on that that If you see a person of color, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's about race. That it's maybe something normal, like, oh, what do you think of the inflation rate, right? Like it affects us the same thing. We all go to the same supermarket. Uh, But what what I mean, like when it comes to journalism and reporting sometimes, and I don't know if if you see it that way I see it, I see like, for example, when you go to contexts like a a neighborhood that when they say somebody shot somebody, right, Uh, you could literally say if it's an any type of neighborhood, they don't even say the race or the color. They just said, oh, a person of uh, at 7 a.m. just shot somebody in Dartmouth. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, but I see sometimes that when it's in a black neighborhood like North Preston, uh, they basically say, uh, well, this person, a uh, black person just shot another person in North Preston. And then you realize that the other person was black, too and i'm like does that really matter what the race was at that point because it's just another person and and doesn't mm-hmm. some, some subtle things that i have seen in the in the media especially within the atlantic canada that i see that sometimes uh when it when it's an issue that it comes related to i don't know see uh, with me to,
0: I was going to say with me, like if I if I see, uh, you know, we have to go through each report, to, you know, to sift to sift through to see how each one was done. But with me, I, I find, you know, I'll look at the I'm, I'm looking for last names uh, and street names to try to determine the likelihood. Uh, you know, was it uh, maybe somebody black involved? Could it potentially be someone black involved? So, yeah, that's just <laughs> I just thought that as you were saying that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that, that's something like for me, it, it starts, it, it kind of wonders sometimes about how the story is reported. So now, when was your first story? Like, what was the first story that you ever wrote? When for, for Was it for a paper? Was it for a blog? Well, when was the first time that you actually uh, like reported the news?
0: Well, um, so recently I graduated from NSCC, but years ago I went to a a, like a private media college. So we were doing, I did like a, a lot of television news uh, reports there um, but this was when YouTube was in its infancy so I don't even think we put like those on YouTube those were just sort of done for practice so jeez uh, I did stories there I did uh, one story that stands out was during Hurricane Katrina uh, I actually had a cousin who her and her uh, her former husband and their children um, and she's from here she's from Nova Scotia so they made it back uh, prior to the hurricane um, then when and then Hurricane Katrina happened, so they were sending um, um, sailors here from uh, from Canada to help with the the relief effort, and so they they were sending them off from the uh, here in Halifax Harbor on the the ship I think it's called the Athabaskan. And I remember, uh, so Paul Martin was the, the Prime Minister at the time. So myself and two other students at the school um, went down to to try to cover it, uh, just sort of on a whim. When we got there, now this is post nine eleven. I'll just put that out there as well. Um, the person at the security desk, they're like, you know, uh, the media had to have uh, called ahead of time to get credentials and that. So the two guys I'm with, they're like, all right, let's go. I was like, now, nah, now nah, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Let's let's push a little bit. The the worst case scenario, they're gonna they're, they're gonna tell us no. I don't know if I got on this woman's nerves or or, or what happened. N- next thing I know, she gives us the go ahead upon my uh, insistence. So uh, I remember being aboard the the Athabaskin the and then out comes uh, you know. Uh, sitting Canadian prime minister, Paul Martin, he's shaking, um, you know, the soldier's hands, this and that. And I'm, you know, I'm within arm's reach of this man. There's no security around. I haven't been patted down or anything. Like I said, and this is post nine 11. So it's sort of odd. Right. But. Oh, uh, wow. W- w- what an incredible experience uh, that was for me. Um, so around the same time uh, when I was going to that school, uh, I remember Jack Layton, uh, he he was here. I don't think it was like a-, a campaign stop, but he was just here speaking with students at um at Mount St. Vincent University, him and uh, Alexa McDonough. Um, so I remember recovering that and, you know, putting the, the microphone to them. Um, asking, I don't want to say tough questions, but, you know, they weren't uh, softball questions and they seemed to, you know, appreciate that. Uh, there was another, another instance. It was a sort of an unofficial campaign stop. Um, Stephen Harper was here at a, um, this before he was elected prime minister, uh, at a, uh, a, a senior's retirement home or, or what have you. So I'm used to, you know, when I was doing these stories in this media school, you know, maybe calling someone ahead. Hey, I'm a, a student. Can I come interview you about, uh, you know, the closure of this uh, this food bank? Uh, can I come uh, interview you about, um, uh, you know, whatever, some some program you're, you're doing at the library? And for the most part, folks, were, you know, when, when I meet them, it's like, OK, this is a student. Let me sort of, you know, just be, be nice. So it, it sort of just went plain as day. But when uh, Stephen Harper was there, he didn't recognize me as a student. I don't know if he cared. I was just a member of the media. And this was uh, not long after it was announced that uh, Mickaël Jean was, uh, had been selected to be the next, um, uh, I want to say, lieutenant governor. Governor yeah. General of the, the, the province, right? She was the lieutenant yeah. governor. I should have
1: yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: that exactly <laughs> right. So anyhow, um, but now Stephen Harper was uh you know, sort of opposed to it, saying that she had uh, separatist ties or her husband used to have separatist ties. Now, myself as a young 20, 21-year-old, uh, you know, man, all I saw was, oh, this guy's hating on who's going to be the first uh, black lieutenant governor. Now, I didn't approach him in sort of, you know, any sort of way about that, but, I, you know, I asked him about it. Unbeknownst to me, this was sort of like, uh, we were sort of in the new age of this 24-hour news cycle. So this was like old news, you know, essentially to, to him or to the, to, wow. know, to the rest of, to everybody else. This was like a, a week, you know, this was last week's news. To me, it was still present. How, you know, you had the the opposition to her. Let me, you know, ask a question. But He was just so quipping his, like, listen, uh, I told you guys last week, uh, you know, fuck off. Next question. I was just, <laughs> now, that's not what he said, right? But it was just like, so. What he meant. Like,
1: well, pretty much what it is what he said, but it, it was what he meant. But that's kind of F-Lan crazy. That, you, it, you it interviewed that, that was last
0: week's news. I know I don't care if you're offended that she's black and, you know, <laughs> I'm doing what I have to. Now, of course, fast forward, uh he went to her to, you know, have her parole uh, parliament so that he could, uh, you know, sa- save the government save his government, but that's Now I'm getting to wow.
1: that but th- okay. those are some nope. of the ones that
0: stand out to me in terms of my first uh stories um w- another one though, this wasn't so much a news story, but um there was an instance where um uh, Percy Paris who he's um a former member of the Legislative legislative Assembly here in Nova Scotia, former MLA, uh, former uh, Minister of African Nova Scotian Affairs. Uh, before being Minister of African Nova Scotian Affairs, he made a complaint once about, uh, you know, there being racism uh, in, this le- in the legislature, things that he, you know, heard um, being said while he was being heckled and stuff like that. And so there was a, a man who, I guess he did columns for the former Daily News, and he said, you know, I, I usually write about sports, but then he goes on this thing about, you know, how come every time something happens to a black person, uh, he talks about, you know, the race card, this and that, and uh, painting people all uh, with the with the same broke, uh, what is it, the same brush stroke or something? Like, I don't know. He basically then he went and turned around and did everything that he was critical about. And so I, I remember writing a, a letter to the editor about that, and they said they received like, you know, a flood of letters to the editor about that but they sort of put mine um first because it sort of just broke down the the nonsense that he you know just just what was clear nonsense but that the newspaper nonetheless reported as if it was just oh this is just someone's uh this is someone's opinion no it's a it's misinformation just shame shame money for for putting it out there in the first place right
1: well, that's kind of crazy that you're first in, like, and you had an interaction with, with a former prime minister, which he wasn't the prime minister at that time, but right. uh, he was after. And you had, like, that's good, good first experience to yeah. to to have. And, I mean, and it sort of
0: just, uh, you know, it, it happened, and then it just sort of went to the back of my mind. I didn't realize it. So, like, recently uh, when I was in NSCC, uh, I got the, the, the opportunity to uh, – um, interview Stephen McNeil whilst he was still uh, Premier of Nova Scotia about uh, the land title initiative. This was uh, an initiative to sort of speed up the process to help um, Black land owners who didn't have title to their land, you know, um, you know, reacquire it, you know, cut through some of the red tape. And I remember like a lot of the people in my class, you know, just trying to make sure that I was at ease, you know, Matt Maskey, are you nervous? Are you, are you OK? It's uh, coming. Up. I'm thinking, can this interview hurry up before these people make me nervous? But uh, when I look back at it all, again it was it's sort of a hindsight thing that i look at having when i was looking through the tapes oh yeah i, I put the mic to harper i put to you know the mic to jack late you know two people who are on you know opposing ideological ideological sides of the spectrum whatever, you know asking them both you know the the quote-unquote tough questions years ago in my past so i guess that sort of did help prepare me for for that i, I guess i not know because, like you say, these 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 weren't just uh, you know some regular run of the mill people. This somebody who went on to be the, you know the prime minister. Somebody who was vying to be a, you know uh, the prime minister. Right?
1: Yeah, and the leader of the opposition at that time for the NDP. Like those those are historical people to to know about. Now, tell me about that. Like, what type of journalism do you think you want to do? Like, because uh, I know we how we met is because you you reached out uh for an interview and i was like oh, okay this is this is kind of cool so le- le- let me let me try to to uh get the person that interviewed me let me interview him <laughs> so let me just go well, <laughs> like what kind of reporting or journalism are you going to do like because i know the Ham- the halifax seminar is in it's a old we could say it's old media now but we but it has adapted to the times which is internet social media and stuff like that but what kind of stories would you like to to portray it and what what type of journalism are you trying to do
0: uh, what I'm trying to do like right now. The, the position I hold is um, uh, basically I write stories uh, pertaining to uh, you know the black community or about the black community. So I want to uh, c- continue to do that. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself to where I'm gonna you know distract myself from you know my job at present. I guess the type of journalism I'd like to do would be uh, we talked about pro wrestling before. I'd like to be sort of like Vince McMahon where I can say okay. I have a bunch of resources or, you know, uh, if I won the lottery, say tomorrow, say, okay, all the black journalists in Halifax, uh, you know, you no longer work for CBC, you no longer work for uh, Global or CTV, y'all work for me. And uh, if you want to sort of thing. And then, you know, mm-hmm. from, from here, okay, you know, I, I'd like to be a news news director, essentially, who's then able to say, okay, you guys are covering this. Now, let me cover this because, uh, you know, it needs some covering or let me uh, lend a hand here or something like that. I mean, it's... it's it's sort of a, in the back of my mind. It's sort of all over the place. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, future, future goals, you know, man.
0: As you probably know, like again, I'll use the example of Vince McMahon. Uh, every time you watch, uh, say WWE Raw or SmackDown, uh, he's backstage. You might not see him on on television. You know, for years and years. But let something go haywire. You know, five minutes before airtime. Okay, you need an announcer. Okay, whatever. I'm here. I'll go out. And I'll I'll get on the mic for, for twenty minutes. Uh, you know, to cover this uh, twenty minutes and just you know fill in where need be um so yeah I, i'd like to do that i'd like to make me you know do uh, maybe television news reporting in the future um, i was never into radio until recently we had a little conversation before getting on the air maybe i'd like to do something like that i don't want to to limit myself but i don't want to spread myself too thin at the same time if that makes sense so uh, to answer yeah, your question yep, yep. i'm not entirely sure at the moment but that's sort of uh, w- what i think about when
1: when I'm asked that, yeah true. future goals you got you got to have them you got it you got to think ahead if it, just the thought of it then it becomes reality so you you basically told that that you are doing black stories for the Halifax Assembly. how's mm-hmm. how's that been so far like what have you learned from from this from this current experience
0: oh man uh, a, a lot uh to answer the question uh just <laughs> shortly but um uh i learned a lot of things um you know when i first before starting the role i thought to myself you know okay is there going to be um is there going to be enough stories uh, for me to tell uh nowadays my my thought is that of uh you know i wish there was two of me <laughs> you know i wish i had uh, my own staff to be able to cover you know uh, more stories than i do you know sometimes uh, i'm not able to to get to all the stories i'd like to be able to tell um so, so i've learned that i've learned that um you know, uh, I guess the perception of what a journalist is uh, varies depending on, uh, you know, who you're talking to or uh, it's sort of changing with the times as well. Uh, some people are, are happy to see or, or to hear from you. Some people, you know, you come around, you're, you're sort of like a toxic waste as soon as you enter the room. Uh, you're someone to be avoided. Some people don't. Um, uh, w- one thing I'm learning, though, is that, uh, you know, we don't, how, how do I put this? B- because black stories, I guess, aren't covered a lot. Uh, folks will maybe sometimes question your intentions. Okay, well, why are you even wanting to tell the story? Uh, you know, h- how far uh, are you going to go with it? Okay, you're asking these questions that deal with a negative element. Are you gonna concentrate on that? Or, you know, it's sort of, uh, I-, I don't know. Sometimes folks, uh, will have their guards up. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I don't know. We're just not used to, I guess, media covering our stories uh, all the time. I guess, and it's oh, and, and
1: and that and that is normal, especially for something. And I and I said that before. I want I want to clear myself that the Halif- the Halifax Halif- Examiner Halif- is not old media. It's kind of new media because it, it's it started online. Uh, right. So yeah. So you know, it's it's but, the but it's way old that in terms
0: it, of the the, the, the it, it, it it like print media.
1: Yeah. So it, it, it's something that, you know, you, you see it's normal when people don't want to know about uh, reporters because they might think something again, when you don't have control of the story, you don't know what's coming out. People may be afraid right. of it, but but yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of cool that you told me that you wish to be too like you, because that means that there's a lot of story, black stories to tell. Right. Uh, so that's something that that, it, that is kind of cool to hear, especially from from Nova Scotia, which. Uh, I know there's a lot of Black stories to tell because, I mean, I, I think uh, the fact that they have, uh, and again, if you come to places like PEI or New Brunswick, uh, there's no Black MLA's in, in the, I think there's one Black MLA in PEI, and we just had in New Brunswick our first Black mayor in, in, a, in, town, in a town called Shipigan. Uh, now, there was so, an
0: MLA in uh, in New Brunswick who every time he was on the screen, I used to say to myself, is he Black? He looks like he could be black. I forget. I I oh, no, no, he was. Last he last name.
1: Not, he, he was not black. There's only been one native. One name. You know who I'm Italy. thinking of
0: though. There was this one man who his hair was kind of crinkly. His nose may have been a little, little white. He, he was light skinned like me. But I, every time, I said, is he black too? I don't know. I think. I think I, I, think I know name. who your are
1: is, but I don't. I don't remember his name either. But I, I know. I know. I, I seen his face, but yeah, he, he's definitely not black. But but
0: Towards the fact that, end, that there was helicopter- some sort of controversy uh, surrounding him, he was. I forget.
1: Halifax has like, uh, like they have had black MLAs, black counselors, uh, you know, black female counselors that just have one. And and again, I think there's a lot to tell because, and you don't hear it. You don't, you don't, you don't hear it often. Uh, And it's kind of good to know that people like you are doing something about it. Right. Mm That people are going and, and, and getting most about that. Now, what, what do you think it's the, you know, in, the title role that you're in what do you think is the hardest thing to do like do you think it's just getting stories out or just not getting enough time to do more stories
0: i guess it depends on the on on the week um yeah i mean that's hard to that's hard to say um can you maybe just repeat the question again like, what do you think is the hardest
1: part? Like, is the hardest part of the job? Is it to find stories or to, that you have so many stories that you can't publish them all?
0: Yeah, i probably say the the latter. Um, yeah, because I mean, every day of the week, uh, you know, a, a new story takes place. Um, so I, I I don't think it's finding the stories. I think it's, um, um you know, telling them in the right way or, you know, making, like, the problem with me is that I'm used to going over things, you know, so meticulously, you know, for hours on end, you know, okay, I'm writing something, say, for school, I'm going to make sure every T and I i's, is dotted and crossed, I'm going to, you know, rewrite the sentence uh, 100 times before I pass, I'm going to make sure it's perfect, where, you know, in this job, um, you know, the, you don't have that uh, amount of time you have, you know, every day you have a, a you know, new story or new deadline, so um and that's and that's one of the things i like about this job is be, being able to you know learn in that way to be able to you know tell stories you know um consistently in, in a timely manner so that the, you know the story doesn't get old uh so it's definitely not finding the stories uh, as as i said i feared may have been the case but I, i've learned it's definitely not the case um you know people there's probably been a lot of stories that i haven't been been able to cover because of again just just time uh, restraints and uh, the fact that i only have the the two limbs <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you have to do hands so uh, i oh, mean, pardon me, i have
0: four limbs but
1: two yeah, but yeah two yeah. hands so matthew if people want to find your work uh, or yourself where do they go to
0: uh you go to halifax uh, examiner.ca um if you google uh matthew byard uh, examiner there should be one of the results that should pop up should be a a link that's uh, not an easy like it's a link with all sorts of different characters, stuff like that, but we'll take you directly, you know, to my stories. Or if you go on to one of my stories and you click my name uh, either at the top or the bottom, uh, it'll take you to a link where, where they're all listed there. Um, I probably should uh, update my, my uh, digital portfolio that I did for school to be able to just say, okay, go to go to this link right here. They're all there. But uh, again, the, right now they're all on the, the HalifaxExaminer.ca. Uh, the nature of the, the local journalism uh, initiative uh, position I have is that um the stories can get uh, reposted elsewhere so folks will sometimes hit me up hey I, I saw your story it was in uh, the Toronto Star it was on the Toronto Star website so um so they're there if you just uh, uh google my name uh <laughs> basically
1: you know that's um that's amazing so uh, i mean matthew it it's been a pleasure talking to you hopefully we'll do this more i know like we should do Tons probably time. we're going to talk about Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I mean, if we could talk for hours on podcast, like we could go like three hours, but then again, people wouldn't be listening to it three hours long. (laughs) So uh, for people, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Uh, follow us on social media, black in the maritime, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and definitely subscribe or support us on Patreon and PayPal. Peace.
0: And I have to say, Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, man. No, I I just I have to commend you for the work you're doing. I, I, I'm genuinely uh, you know inspired when I see um, platforms like this, uh, you you know, yours and others. Um, I'm very humbled uh, that that you would ask me to to be here, and I'm very inspired by the work that you do, even if you didn't ask me to be here. So so thank you for asking
1: me to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. So anytime, this is the anytime you need us, this is this is your home, man. Peace out, and thank you for listening.